Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the Inspired Evolution. This week's episode features Chris Ventura. This is an awesome episode. Chris is the co-founder of Harness Projects, a company where they're focused on user experience design. This design has led him to design a life of his own crafting, his own creation. Tune in to see how an entrepreneur can live life on his own terms. This week's podcast is sponsored by Lifecycle. Lifecycle are Australia's leading medicinal mushroom growers. They're focused on solving global issues using mushroom biotechnologies. Lifecycle's magic mushroom ranges enable and enhance states of well-being in delicious and convenient drinks. My personal experience with medicinal mushrooms is that in the last four years that I've been taking medicinal mushrooms as a health supplement in my morning tonics, I have not been sick for the last four years. My personal favorites are Shaga, Reishi, Cordyceps and Lion's Mane. A little bit about them. Shaga is great for your immunities. Reishi is great to recover and de-stress. Uh, Lion's Mane is great as a nootropic. And Cordyceps, great for performance. At the moment, the guys at Lifecycle have been, they've been so generous, so kind. They're really supporting the work that the Inspired Evolution is doing and they love the vibe that we're all about. So they're offering the listeners of the Inspired Evolution 15% off anything that you want to order from Lifecycle. So I'm completely humbled by this generous offer of theirs. So find your way to their website, check out what's on offer. Again, my favorites are Shaga, Reishi, Lion's Mane, and Cordyceps, and get yourself 15% off. 15% off comes with a discount code with the name Amrit, A-M-R-I-T, my first name. Chuck that in there, upgrade your health, look after yourself, and tune into a yummy conversation here. Welcome to the Inspired Evolution, and it is such a treat today to bring you the vibes from Chris Ventura. Chris, how are you going? Hey, brother. Good. Good to be on. It's such a treat to have you here today. For those listening in to Chris for perhaps the first time, Chris is an entrepreneur. He's passionate about education and the role that it plays in forming society around us. It was last year in 2017 that he co-founded a project-based learning company. It's called Harness Projects, and he did this to address the gaps that he saw that were apparent in traditional education. Um, my favorite thing about this though, is that he actually did this as a mechanism to leverage the power that the learning market has on making social change. During the early part of his career, Chris describes himself as a typical corporate wage slave, (laughs) (laughs) Um, working long hours, spending enormous amounts of energy on projects that had little meaningful impact. And it was about 2010 that Chris's natural curiosity moved him into self-development and stuff like that. And then try, and then he, Took a, uh, took a shot in uh, integrating the emerging perspective of spirituality and mindfulness into his offered environment, which was uh, devoid of much feeling. 
and it was about 2015 that he left that world and began to integrate his corporate skills into product and product management, digital and user experience design with his well-being practices. But Chris now fundamentally is a world bridger. He's constantly moving between a world of commercialization, finances and corporate governance to a world of mindfulness, empathy and impact. And he believes there are two types of social activists. And I love your philosophy around this, brother, is that there are those that work outside the system to raise awareness of the problems in the world. And then there are those that work within it to create inventive solutions um, and provide businesses so they can evolve and take, um, take society forward in a positive way. Mm. That, man, if it was just that, let's just leave the podcast at that. <laughs> <laughs> I am um, such, a, such a treat to have you here because I, I really get a lot of value just from um, looking at your different perspectives on social impact and how that arrives. Um, mm. It really resonates, you know, like oftentimes, I guess, I've sort of romanticized with the idea of, you know, the bloke that just lives on the island and goes surfs all day or the guy that lives in the mountains owns basically just a lawn spot. And, you know, there is mm. definitely an importance in have, holding that awareness. But then I love the idea of, you know, this what the Inspired Evolution is about as well as like integrating, you know, the positivity into our daily lives and into the lives of those around you, into community, so mm. we can actually impact a real, like you put it, social change. Yeah, there's absolutely space for both, you know. It's like... Um, you know, there is a need in society to be aware of some of the things that um, need creative solutions brought to to the forefront. Um, and so, you know, the, the segment of people who spend their energy doing that um, are super valuable for for the world around us, the type of world we want to live in. Um, but you know, I also see the space for people who are working in a typical day job or in a typical corporate environment but bringing some of the insights and lessons of their well-being practices and their mindfulness practices into that space so that we can start to evolve it from the inside out. And so, yeah, I see myself sort of playing more in that space. Um, obviously, the Karnas Project's developing a business that tries to, tries to come up with some creative solutions um, while still operating within an you know, economical framework. So let's go straight into that Harness Project. So it's, uh, I think a good place to start is, uh, is to sort of describe what it is that you're, <laughs> you're doing with Harness. <laughs> sure, man. Um, so Harness Projects is a project-based learning company and we yep. basically teach user experience design skills, mm -hmm. um, uh, mostly for adult professionals, people who are upskilling or changing careers into UX design. Um, and one of the things that we try and do is, um, well, because we're a project-based learning company, we are working closely with companies who have real challenges on their hands. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a myriad of project briefs out there from all different types of companies, all different industries. Um, what we're trying to seek are the project briefs out there that have some social impact or some positive impact. Um, and the idea is, well, um, students, you know, have spent all over universities and schooling, they spend thousands to millions of hours working on assignments and self-learning and it's all very self-focused and that's important right for their growth but why not apply some of that energy onto projects with a meaningful outcome and so um it's something that we're trying to curate more of um uh, you know for example we've got a, a project at the moment that um is for a company called words with heart and um you know they're a stationary printing company for mid to large size corporates but they try and provide services that are eco-friendly so all of their stationery is um uh, sustainably sourced and, and and sort of they use sustainable practices to create the product vegetable links these sorts of things um, and the proceeds of their sales goes towards funding education for females in developing countries uh, a business like that needs as much support as they can get and they're a small business they're a not-for-profit um, you know they're, they're trying to make it in this very challenging <laughs> capitalist world and so um, you know students get a great opportunity to learn UX design on a real project that's live and has you know implications about the sort of suggestions you make while contributing to that cause so that's that's generally sort of the, the principle of harness project. So exciting man I love it because it's like this company that's doing some awesome work and they need um, they obviously are looking for people with a certain skill set and they necessarily don't have that. And then you're looking for the people that are looking to upskill into that particular skill set. Mm. And you're marrying these people into that social impact. Yeah, exactly. And and they get mentored by um, by people who are working in UX as sort of their profession. Yeah. And, um, you know, might have 10, 15, 20 years, some of them 25 years experience. And they're at the point in their career where they really want to give back. And this just touches all those bases. They get to teach. 
and mentor students on a project that's meaningful. So user experience design, let's, let's have a quick chat about this. So it's about, um, the way I look at it is, is it, the idea that comes to my head is like Apple and their design. I think a lot to me, it's all about ontology, but perhaps we're in the middle of ontology. Is. So user experience design. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a, it's a fairly broad term that covers quite a lot of different areas, but on a very basic and sort of general level, it's about um, designing um, solutions to user problems, customer problems. Um, and and things that and it's very user centric in its approach. So, for example, um, any product or service that you use um, has typically gone through some user experience design process. Some better than others, and you'll know that by the way you interact with it and how frustrated you get. Right. <laughs> um, whereas when you pick up certain things like the iPhone, it's it's got some. It's just got this seamless, simple, intuitive experience. Mm. Um, so there's been a, a very strong user experience design. Um, and a lens placed over that, that approach. And so a typical UX designer is going to be spending a lot of time speaking to people from all different types of backgrounds, cultures, and, and viewpoints. And the, the real... So there's some of the technical skills of UX design, which is very straightforward. You know, you, you do your research, you write your report, and then you create a design that, that that report informs. But some of the more behavioral skills that these people need to learn to be really good at this job is about getting out of their own biases. Um, is, is, it's about applying an empathetic approach to the design process where they can remove their biases and step into the shoes of the customer that they're designing for. Um, and you know, our philosophy is that the more people that learn that skill, um, whether it's in UX design or in any practice like mindfulness, it actually benefits all of us, <laughs> right? Um, when you can see your own biases and see how that might um, skew an outcome, then that's a really healthy thing. Well, it's just, I can't ignore what's come up for me is that you're just rolling out compassion. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, so I, the idea is that basically you've got to be compassionate to the end user and the way that mm. their, their entire experience informs what you're creating mm. from that standpoint, which is interesting because this like user, like UX design, even in that, like it's, it's kind of, kind of hip with the ux but it's also it's mm. like it's not an age-old idea um maybe some mm. of the fundamental principles are um, but in terms of being mass adopted this is quite a novel thing which which is weird because you'd sort of consider that if i was going to go build something i would consider what who i'm building it for rather mm. than going ahead and building it right mm, exactly yeah so it's not really that old as an approach it's very logical if you think about it i mean if you're going to start a business or create a product or create an initiative or an event or um, you know a march figure out who is the sort of end who's receiving the value from that experience or from that service mm. um, and design for them uh, and so what i think is happening now is it's become much more formalized in a in an actual profession rather than something that some people do well and some people don't. And there's been a lot of um, frameworks and at least um, best practice that has been identified as this is the best way to go about it to get the best outcomes. So it's now become a profession that's growing and, and sort of um, a lot of people are interested in it because it's also quite a nice way of working. Yes, you, you spend some time behind the computer doing some of the reporting and anal analyzing, but you're also spending time in front of human beings. So you get a bit of a mixture um in that experience as a designer yeah incredible so i think i really want to have a chat to you about like your own development like how you mm. sort of went from like we touched on you know you as you put it and i would gladly put it that way myself the core <laughs> wave, um into then you know like evolving and then perhaps even just the idea of what we touched on before like empathy and compassion how that sort of infused into your life and then perhaps how that jumped you out into creating your own business like because for most people, that's not an intuitive mm. approach. You know, it's like my personal development doesn't necessarily lead to me having a business around something. So, yeah. what was your what was your journey? When did this sort of start? This awareness of things being different, mm. the corporate wage slave way of being. Yeah. So I would say that um, before twenty six or twenty seven, I had I didn't have an entrepreneurial bone in my body. It wasn't something like I hear a lot of entrepreneurial stories where people from fifteen or from childhood they just knew. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't the case for me. I, you know, I was um, 
or at least it wasn't consciously, I wasn't consciously aware of it. So for example, um, in my early career, so from my twenties through to, um, you know, 27, 28, maybe mm-hmm. I spent, um, you know, I just did the mainstream thing. I went to my day job and, um, did my best at some of the work that was, um, put on in front of me and, you know, was able to get some, have some progress in terms of promotions and, and new opportunities. But, um, the, inter- the internal goal that was driving me was that, well, that's, that's the path and it's already been written and that's, that makes sense. So I'll just keep doing this and, you know, I'm finding that I'm good at certain things here. So I'll, I'll, just, um, I'll just play that role. And I think it wasn't until I got to sort of my mid to well, mid part of my career where I started to really question some of the projects I was working on. I was like, well, um, there is so much stress and energy and anxiety around a a project that is a website launch or, or an app launch or, you know, it's got colors and, and it's words and pictures on a screen. And I was like, hang on. So hang on a sec. And yeah, so I was just like, okay, um, I'm starting to lose or I'm starting to get more jaded and a little bit more mature with my way of thinking about where I'm putting my energy. And, um, I also, it also happened to coincide with, um, a bit of a curiosity of mine into sort of well-being practices and meditation and mindfulness and and exploring that world. And so as I started to explore that inner world, what happened around me was that my outer world seemed less exciting or less um, inspiring or fulfilling. And um, having, you know, and so through a natural progression, partly conscious you know, application and partly just, you know, the unraveling of life. Mm. I um, landed in opportunities where I got to work on um, some fairly innovative projects in work that were around education. And so I, you know, about, um, I spent sort of the last seven years in education and before that I was in advertising and, and sort of worked at Fairfax Media and, you know, different places like that. But when I got into education, I did, I got these opportunities to work on innovation projects and through that through that experience and the role that I held, which was um, a sort of head of digital role, which meant I had a lot of UX designers that worked with me and product managers, people who um, are part of this group that I'm talking about that have to spend a bit, a lot of time with real customers, with real students. I started to see a massive gap that was between the student experience and what these, ed- these educational institutions were providing, mm. um, both from a student experience point of view, but also um, just this, you know, this cycling of students doing assignments, spending all this time working on things, and then um, it really all gets lost at the end. It's all forgotten. You know, think about all the assignments we've done in our years, and it's just it's just left to the wayside. So, um, yeah, thus was born, um, you know, an idea to, to take a startup forward and to, to try and approach it from a different way. And I thought about my personal learning journey, um, I was not a very good learner. I wasn't someone who could sit in a lecture. I hated textbooks. Learning the way they prescribed you to learn. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. So, you know, lectures weren't for me. Textbooks weren't for me. Um, what I did find that I was really good at was that I learned through just trial and error and doing many, many, many projects and just um, being put in the deep end. I, yes. I just happened to um, find that to be useful for, for me having to get it done, you know, and so um, I was like, well, fuck, okay, let's build a, a project around it. Um, uh, sorry, a, a sort of company around it and, and create these project experiences that are challenging but also supportive. Yeah, inspiring. I Because um, that would have been a massive project in itself, <laughs> setting up that company. But uh, hmm. the the... There's something that you touched on in there, and there's actually there's a lot in there that we could we could go forward on. But the thing that came um, most of the top was um, this inner world, outer world um, junction that you were talking about. Really fascinates me because you've sort of gone away with this like reflection of your inner growth, and then realised that you know your career on the outside is going to change. Um, but then also the work that you're doing is uniquely positioned as well because it's about people's like inner experience like their frustrations and stuff with their experience with their world do you often like sit back and pause to reflect on like the work that you're doing is that like the nexus of the connections between humans and the world that they're with um yeah i mean i I feel like there are natural points in time where that opportunity for reflection comes up um and 
you know, all through this startup journey, um, I keep getting up these opportunities to, to really check in with, with where the vision is and, and what the direction is that we're heading in. And we've had to make some concessions just for survival's sake in mm. these early stages. You know, there are some projects we run that, don't, that they don't have a social impact. They're still just serving a company's um, revenue sort of goals. Yep. Um, but for now, there are students that get a lot of value from having the experience anyway. And so we've had to just be, you know, as, as sort of balanced with that as possible. Um, yeah, so I, I feel like it, um, there's always, for me, it feels like a natural thing. Um, I feel sometimes like I'm just this vessel that's moving through. And I just get the next stepping stone placed in front of me. Like, okay, this is what's happening now. Yeah. You know? And it sometimes doesn't feel so pre-planned. <laughs> yeah. And how do you, like, so I can sort of relate to that. And I think that was a biggest thing about leaving my corporate role um, is, and so there's a couple of things I can touch on there, but like leaving your corporate role and then all, all of a sudden just that trust that it takes to know that the next step will sort of appear. How's yeah. that been going for you? Yeah, so that's a muscle I've had to develop for sure. Mm. Um, when I was leaving my corporate role, um, it was a very awesome role that I was like, it was, I was leaving at five. I had a team of amazing people that I had such a great like family connection almost mm -hmm. with. Right. Um, and you know, there was a lot of recognition because of the role title. Um, but there was just this little thing inside. It was like, you know, that this isn't actually, I'm, I'm, I'm resting on my laurels here. And there was a part of my personality that, that just couldn't deal with that, but it still took eight months to jump out. And, and I did so without any, any sort of other job to go to. I went straight into a bit of consulting to see if that would work and while I um, got to the point where I could do this startup. So, um, and ever since that moment, that was sort of one of the biggest jumps, I think, in terms of trusting myself um, and all the amazing amounts of anxiety that came with it. But there was something that happened in that one, that very first time where it was, this and the way I describe it is that the universe caught me. It's like you jump off the cliff, but the universe always catches you. And mm. and I can't stress that enough. I feel like that's happened over and over and over again. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean it gets easier to do the jump. It's still anxious mm. and stressful. But um, I've got at least now a bit of history where I'm like, you know what? It's a good chance I'll be caught. So let's, <laughs> let's just jump. <laughs> Um, so, you know, I, I think it's important to plan as much as possible and don't just sort of be um, negligent with that. But then also there's going to come a point in time where there's no more planning to be done. Mm, I find that super inspiring. It's that the universe will reward your courage, um, mm. which mm. sounds easy, but like I, I myself, like I think I left my job at the beginning of this year. Mm. I think that's been like a consistent thing that keeps emerging. It's like how much more can you trust the unfolding and obviously you've been on this process a little like that much longer and to see just the grace with which you're executing it now is super inspiring <laughs> so it's great to have and you. congrats to you man for doing that because you know it's obvious around just being on the podcast it's just an example of the, <laughs> the rewards right yeah it's phenomenal and so i think that is kind of like a perfect little segue to so talk about something that you know is really um i can't ignore is that you've got this super passion for well-being and health um anyone that meets you is it's kind of like it stares you in the face chris is passionate about his health and well-being and looking after yourself um and then you touched on this in the in um in the conversation earlier and then how that well-being curiosity sort of ended up pushing you as a shift in your career um, and I, I share this from a place of this being my, my most potent place of um, passion, I guess. Um, for me, it's all about health um, and health is fundamentally what you're doing every single day, <laughs> mm. you know? So like, what was that journey like for you? And at what point did you realize that health was actually more than just, you know, like eating well and eating right and sleeping mm. right and meditating a lot to the point where it's like, no, actually, it's like all that I do all the time. Yeah. Um, so that was, you know, one of the, you know, there was a massive shift when I started to get into this, into mindfulness. It was, I think, uh, what are we now? Probably six years ago, I think it was, um, where it just, there was just so many more variables to health than I had initially or previously thought, right? It was, I was always fairly active. You know, there was always some sport or some activity that I went to regularly to, to, 
you know, at least physically um, involve myself in some exercise. Mm. But um, it was the mental exercise and sort of the, the heart exercises, which I'd never even thought existed, you know. And, and it's, it's, just, um, it's just that, that slowing down, the um, opening up to, to the unknown. And it's a really scary process because um, you're learning about this surrender in yourself, which just doesn't get taught at schools. Right? I think I need to do a project at some point in time. Right? And they inherently all have that because it's a project-based learning thing. But you know, there's <laughs> almost like this focus that needs to be put on surrender in every moment. Um, so I think it's just there's a natural thing where when your interest or your curiosity goes into that space and you start to apply different practices and maybe your lifestyle changes. I know my social circles changed, my living situation changed, um, what I did in my downtime changed. I picked up the guitar, started playing guitar. Um, I was had never very musical and, you know, now I play guitar and, um, you know, hang out at, at sort of musical events. So that's just not something that I, I used to do. So it, it's just funny how... Um, as inside, so so is your outside, and it's just like you know, it's a mirroring effect. Yeah, I find that incredible. I uh, I love that. I absolutely love that. You were telling me this story about actually the uh, you went along to this gathering with a six pack, and <laughs> when everyone was making music, tell us about that. Uh, yeah, that was one of my first. Uh, I got invited. I met a dear brother who's one of my best friends now. Who um, yeah. uh, was like, you know, come along to this. Um, we're having a sort of house party. Um, just, you know, we do it each sort of once a month on a Sunday. And um, it's called Soul Soup Sundays or something, you know, Wicked. really, really, um, really hippie like that. And, um, you know, I, I was very mainstream and sort of my, my house party experience was alcohol, you know, everywhere and, you know, yep. dancing and whatnot. Anyway, so I went there with a six pack um, with the best of intentions and, um, <laughs> and you know, very graciously the host was like, thanks for that man, just stuck it in the fridge and we never saw it again. <laughs> yeah. And so it was, and I just yeah, I had this very different experience. It was something that stuck with me and that's probably why I told the story because, it, you know, it's a very memorable moment of, wow, there's another way of um, just having that social time and downtime um, that I think in Australia is... is um, is a really important thing to for people to know about, at least for people who um, maybe have surrounded their whole social experience around sort of alcoholic events. And I don't have a problem with alcohol per se. It's more just, and you know, I still have the odd wine and enjoy it. And I think that's also important. I, I have come full circle with all of this, where it's like you need to be really balanced with everything. It's not um, about being um, black and white about yeses and nos. I, I just feel like for me. Um, the balance point is, is critical. And so, you know, at that point in my, my journey, it was like, wow, it's really nice to just not have to um, have that as a, the focal point of a social gathering. It was more, um, more about the connections between humans and that, that was um, really nice to see that it was possible with, without any assistance. <laughs> yeah, interesting. So those connections as well, are like, it's like, so you changed your social circle when like these hobbies started to evolve out of them, which helped you mm. manage how does like the importance of the people that you surround yourself with play into mm. your trajectory in life? And oh, it's massive. It's massive. It's probably one of the most important things I would say. Um, yeah, I I feel like I lived two lives, you know, and a lot of it was was based on the social circles that I sort of hung around. Um, as I as I redeveloped a new community that had very different views on life and sort of interests, um, it impacted me. And, you know, you are a product of your environment in many ways. And I think if you want to see some change, then really look to your environment as a, um, as a first step in, in how do you curate the lifestyle you're looking for. And, uh, yeah, I was very, I was very lucky and, you know, opportunistic to have, um, you know, dear friends sort of guide me on that. So that's probably like the first point in your own life to start getting conscious of your own user experience design. <laughs> yeah, really, that's an awesome way to put it. <laughs> UX your life. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I've been trying to get to the whole time. It's like, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> start user experiencing. Okay, let's, let's take things out and put things into this user experience of life. 
yeah. Um, on your journey, has there like I, I want to ask, um, just out of pure personal curiosity, is mentors? Have mm. there been mentors on on your way in terms of setting up your own business? Yeah, there's been um, there's been a lot of mentors in different capacities. Um, so I would say. Um, all throughout my career, I've been very fortunate to have some really fantastic um, mentors who sort of guided me in a lot of the um, just professional development of my character and also um, technical skills and, and things like that. So, yeah, forever grateful for those those mentors. Um, also had mentors in this in this you know well-being space. People who I, who I absolutely look up to as role models in how to how to move through the world and how to mm. how to be with yourself as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so some great men, um, you know, that, that I sort of have looked up to, who've inspired me to run my own men's group, which I I used to do for I did it for a couple of years. Um, and so it was, uh, yeah, there was you know in both sides, both worlds. Like you know, we mentioned before this, like I've got this world bridging aspect where. This is a very professional, corporate sort of world, and very sort of well-being aspects, and just mentors across both spectrums, um, and yeah, not to mention not to mention family and you know, mum and dad being really great um, inspirations, um, yeah, and and just other supports like my partner Mitzi, who's just been um, you know a real rock for me as I move through this um, this startup journey, which has had some real stressful days, man. Some, yeah, it's a couple of days I can remember. I was like, oof, I don't know if I can do this. And, you know, she's been there for me. And so, yeah, it's, it's been um, it's been a, a really nice journey and been very lucky with the people who've supported me along the way. So I, I'd say for anyone, just seek out those people that, that inspire you, that um, have something to to impart. I think we all have a, a gift to give someone else. And that's um, that's a really nice and fulfilling thing to do as a human. Yeah, incredible. I um. Yeah, yeah. I was just the, I couldn't, as you were mentioning, Mitzi. I was just thinking about like the the support that our partners really give us, and like the OA that like it's an age old adage, isn't it? Like behind every successful man is a, is a very even more like potent woman. This <laughs> is just like <laughs> damn straight. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Mitzi. <laughs> um, yeah, incredible. So, how um how would you describe um, where this is all where this is all headed for you? Mm. Um, this, like, obviously, we were talking about. You know, you've obviously taken the the opportunity to user experience design your life, and then eventually taken that into a company where people are now participating in user experience design. Um, mm. And I, I absolutely adore, I absolutely adore what you're doing because it's like harnessing social change through education, which you know is the most potent way to make Buckminster Fuller. You know, if you really want to create an impact create a change, then education is the place mm. to start. Um, where's this all going at the moment? I know you said there's one step at a time sort of thing, but yeah. what's what's the greater vision here? Yeah, so there's a few things that I've got my eye on um, and also understanding that there is probably a whole bunch that I don't, I'm not even aware of yet. Yeah. And that's that's going to be really interesting over the next few years. But <laughs> I'd say one of the key things for me is um, to increase the profile of project-based learning mm-hmm. as a as a real mechanism for developing technical skills but also behavioral skills skills that make us great human beings to work with um, and these are things like collaboration communication resilience empathy mindfulness um, these are behavioral skills which you know when you're in a working environment it doesn't matter what capacity it doesn't have to be an office it can be an there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Where you want to be able to work with someone who um, can, who has some capacity in those areas because it, yeah. it makes it a, a more um, enjoyable experience as, as, you know, as a community working together. So um, raising the profile of project-based learning to the point where, um, you know, I'd love to see the accreditation process um, improved because of it. So, you know, at the moment, Harness Project sits outside of any accredited um, sort of general government frameworks. And the reason for that is because the way education currently is structured is that it's very much based on on having skills that are very measurable on a numbers basis. So, mm. for example, that's why we have exams and quizzes and, and what we call rubrics for marking and all these um, mental models for determining where someone is at because at the end of the day, people's um, recognition is all based on the numbers that they get back from these reports. Um, and, you know, the reality is that that's just not really how the where the real value of, of all this is, you know, I see, and it's going to take time, but I see a world where um, we have to remove some of, we have to surrender some of our need for tangible numbered results um, because it's very hard to put someone on a scale for how good they are as a communicator. Is it nine out of 10 or is it eight out of 10? You know, it's, it's hard, but you know when you've got someone who can and when someone who needs to develop it. So it's like, okay, how do we... Um, bring more acknowledgement of that of behavioral development so that um you know we end up creating communities of working groups of people who um, are really excelling in that space uh, because i think it just benefits all of us uh, so yeah that's that's probably one of the other main areas that our focus is and, and obviously to to bring it to more and more people um, so you know we have another mission around trying to subsidize the cost of learning Mm. So, um, you know, the cost of learning is, is not, it's, it's, a, it's a massive um, commitment barrier. for people. Yes. Yeah, a big barrier. Um, you know, you look to the US and some of the college debts and, you know, what people have to show for it after a 200K college debt is absolutely horrifying to me. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's one of the ways... It's a Jewish system, isn't it? It's full on. Yeah. It's full on. It's, it's sad, you know, and, and people go with the best intentions to... to get themselves an opportunity to, you know, land a job that helps them pay that back. But it's not necessarily the reality of the outcome, not for everyone anyway. Um, We're not so, it's not so bad here in Australia. Um, It's, you know, there's still significant student debts that Mm -hmm. struggle to be paid off. But, um, you know, our model is we've got companies involved in our educational product and we're encouraging them to contribute funds to our scholarship. Um, program where we can then pass that on to, to students to reduce the cost of learning for them. So, you know, at the end of the day, um, companies are going to get great value. The more we can show the great work that students are doing, the more likely they will be to contribute funds to to the projects. Um, and, you know, it's just everyone, everyone sort of, it's a win-win. <laughs> it's incredible. And these, some of these, these students are being mentored by some of the best UX designers out there anyway. So it's like <laughs> incredible. Yeah. Um, there's something that you mentioned that really triggered me was um, the idea that I, I was reflecting as you were sharing, it's um, these numbers and these rubrics and this way of learning that we've got. Mm. And, um, you know, it's, it's in, I'm really interested because I, did touch wood fascinatingly well at university. I look back and I was like, wow, that's really interesting that I did so well. But then I look back and I've got like, I'm actually in the process of throwing out a whole bunch of textbooks at the moment. Mm. And um, I was looking back at like whether I would retain that. And I looked back in myself and I was like, I wonder what it is in all of that information that I've got stored in my house that I'm in the process of getting rid of is what is that like I've actually retained Mm. um, actually as like a, like entirely because I reflect back on my process as, as a student. And I think this is everybody at university that does well is like incredible at cramming Mm. to be really successful. You've got to be really, really good the week or two prior to exams to really like just absorb as much as you can because it's all about regurgitation. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And there's always one question at the end of the exam, which is like, okay, this will set, you know, everyone apart in terms of everything that you've regurgitated. Can you really nut out, a problem based on that and that's like the small fragment of integrating your actual knowledge 
mm. um, which I find really intriguing because uh, the work that you're doing really intriguing because I can see that through project-based learning, there's no faking it really. Mm. You know, it's like I, I'm stuck here. I need support. Where's my mentor? Mm. And it's like, cool, I can cruise through here. And then on the end of it, you've actually 100%, you can see like this is not just theory. Like mm. this has, has benefited industry. Like the project has been successful, hasn't been successful. And all of that is, I'm taking a leap here to say all of that is in, in integrated learning. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, we, one of our things is, you know, we will never ask you to complete an exam or a quiz. Um, you know, the outcome that students get to in the ninth week is they present to the client. And, um, you know, a human being is going to look at the presentation and go, this is good or not. We're going to use it or we're not going to not. And that's your assessment, right? Mm. It's, you know, can you, did you communicate your, um, your message across? Was it, was it engaging? Um, so there's a lot of behavioral aspects in order to be able to do that. And then on the side of, you know, was the solution um, fit for purpose and was it viable and commercial or whatever it might be, um, well, that's down to those technical skills as well. So, um, yeah, well, that's, that's the beauty of, I guess, a project-based learning format is that you're going to get your assessment. It's just not going to come in a high distinction or a distinction. Um, and so what we ask our mentors to do at the end of the project because they're experts in their field, we say, would you recommend any of these students for their ability in, in, in these technical and behavioral skills? Um, and so that's literally how our assessment works is a, a mentor will mark a student on a spectrum to say whether they recommend, highly recommend or, or just recommend or not, not recommend at all for a particular mm. skill. Um, and it's based on what they've seen. Have you been able to demonstrate your ability to run a customer interview? Have you been able to demonstrate your ability to present and engage your audience? Um, and so there's no numbered um, scale there. It's just, I, I think I'd recommend them. And because I've got 25 years experience in this area, you probably take the recommendation, <laughs> right? If you, think about, if you think about the best jobs you've ever had in your career, it's usually by referral. Totally. Um, so you know that's that's why i mean that's the model for that makes sense to me anyway <laughs> yeah i uh I, I really enjoy that um just finding that out as well because it's yeah even if you get feedback that you wouldn't be recommended for something it's either you can double down on that as well and be like or it's just like well i can go play to my strengths and you can really start to find yourself yeah. in the process of who it is that i really am because mm. as my my example case in point is that you know like i studied to become a structural engineer for quite some time and I absolutely adore engineering and the way things work but here I am now having left that career and got like coaching meditation and mindfulness to people on construction sites which you know I don't use much of my degree except you know that as an entry point to get into the construction sites and the, and the corporate construction companies to be like hey this is my background and I've worked with you guys and I know how stressful it can be mm, you know so it's, it's strange you know it's like I wonder what things would have come up as like probably not recommend not recommend not recommend and what would have come up as like recommend and like save me a whole bunch of uh, time at the very least but it is our process. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and there's nothing really wasted in any of it. It's all it's all forms who we are. So it's you know, um, yeah, it's not taking away from any of the sort of university experience. I went through university and did my computer science degree, and I was like, hang on a sec. I actually didn't finish it because I was like, you know what, it's not for me. Um, but there was probably stuff in there that formed me um, in some way. I just can't remember exactly how to write that line of code. <laughs> <laughs> But you can find people to pull together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome, bro. That's awesome. Yeah. So in terms of um, uh, working on projects together and building projects together, you've obviously got quite a quite a deep relationship because you've got a business partner that you've, you've worked with on this mm -hmm. together. Yeah, yeah. So that's, um, you know, his name's Mike and we've just been on the most incredible journey together. Um, you couldn't find two people who were more different. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm probably quite analytical, operational and introverted and he's quite extroverted, charismatic um, and he's got the woo is what we call it. <laughs> so, yeah. so um, you know, it's, and, and we had to really get to know how to work best with each other. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I'm very detail-orientated and Mike's very big picture. Uh -huh. And so um, we had to find the middle ground where we could, we could both drop our need for safety in our strengths 
So my need for safety is making sure the details all sweet. But sometimes, you know, I need to let go of that so that we can move into the bigger picture stuff and vice versa. So, um, you know, we've been working together for about three years um, and yeah, we've, we've gone from strength to strength and, you know, I just, it's just been a, yeah, it's been a, a really hilarious story. Um, and I think there's probably a book in it at some point. <laughs> How did you guys find it? Um, so we actually used to work at um, the last company that I was at together in different capacities and um, didn't really spend too much um, time working across the same areas. Um, but it was only um, towards the end of um, both our journeys at that company where we, we were, got an opportunity to work on a very similar innovation product. Um, and, yeah, we I think a lot of the sort of seeded thoughts around what we could do here started there. Um, and, yeah, just sort of we reconnected afterwards and, and went after it. So you sort of left at the same time? Um, yeah, I would like first and then like soon followed after that. <laughs> yeah, awesome. I find that um, intriguing just to sort of see how people band together to, to facilitate work because I got the saying that one and one is never two, one and one is always 11. <laughs> yeah, very good point. Yeah. It really, um, really helps accelerate the things that you want to do. Mm. Really mm. awesome that you have that. So what's, um, what's, the, uh, what's the best... Um, I was going to say, I was looking for a reference. Um, but I think before I ask that, you said you weren't an entrepreneur until you were 26. Like there was not even mm. an entrepreneurial bone in your body. Mm. What, like, was it just the need to evolve and change that sort of brought that in? Ah, so there's an interesting story here. I, so I've started other businesses before, um, before Harness Projects. And one of them, which is actually still going today, um, it's a bit more of a side thing at the moment, um, is a company called Bombisha, <laughs> which um, sells yerba mate tea, which is, if you're not familiar with it, it's sort of really popular in South America. It's like their coffee over there. Um, and I started that with um, two really dear friends that um, I referred to earlier on this wellbeing journey. Um, and so Bombisha was an interesting experience. It was... We, were, we all actually met. So I met, so he, one of my best friends is James. We met over um, a, a yerba mate. We were literally walking in the office and I was holding my gourd with my bombilla, which is very like unusual in an office <laughs> environment. Like just holding a gourd. Yeah, most people are like, are you hold, is that a bong, dude? Like, <laughs> you know? If you look like this, there is no way you could have gone to work on <laughs> You don't look too far off at <laughs> And so I, I used to take this into meeting rooms and drink my mate and, and, uh, and people would give me these funny looks. Anyway, I felt like, well, whatever, this is, this is sort of my background. And um, yeah, one day in the kitchen, I came across this other guy washing out his gourd in the sink and I was like, you drink mate? And he's like, yeah. I was like, wow. Anyway. Um, six years later, best friends, and yeah. we started a business selling mate yeah. <laughs> with, with his partner as well. So it was three, it was three of us, and um, yeah. yeah, we just you know we infused so much of all. And for me, I was very, um, I was quite excited by this whole new world of well-being and um, inspiration, and sort of you know living your purpose. And so this was going to be our avenue to do something that was you know bringing mate to the world and in Australia at least. And um, yeah. Um, and so, you know, it was a good experience. We learned a lot. Um, and yeah, it's, the business still goes, it's still there. So if you want Mate, Bombisha or Comedy. But yeah, it, it was more of a, I guess for me, like a learning experience. I always had this weird intuition that I had three businesses in me or three significant businesses over the course of my career. Um, and uh, Harness Projects, I, I guess, is the third one. Um, and so I felt like they were always ramping up to something really significant and, but I needed to go through a few, um, different experiences to learn what it took to, to make a successful business, um, in this sense. And yeah, so, you know, there was a consulting company that I had, um, which sort of bridged me from living corporate and to this point. Uh, and there was actually a photography site at one point, but that was, that was really small. So, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, man of many trades, man of many trades. <laughs> um, I um, 
this is the second time I'm having a, a really deep conversation with someone about business and the word intuition comes up. Mm. Um, how does that, like, does that inform or guide you through your process quite a bit? Like you mentioned, you had this intuition at some point that there was these mm. three different things that were going to emerge. Yeah. I, it's, it's very, it's such a quiet voice in me mm. and it's actually something I've been wanting to um, cultivate more so that at least, at least I can act on it more readily um but it's been very very quiet and that one is just something i really remember where i was you know i used to say to myself when i when i was starting by i was like i think i've got three businesses in me i've got this feeling of three um and because and that was after seeing what the experience of what was like where it was you know moderately successful not that successful to be honest and yeah it's it's just this um just this really quiet voice inside. Uh, these days, uh, with harness, um, there was there's probably yeah, it's probably something that isn't so loud about my day to day and sort of direction. I feel like I might may have had a really strong intuitive um, sense of the direction, and I'm still riding that wave. And that's been a really big wave. It's been something that's taken me forward, and I I I can already see like the next six or seven steps, and so. There's nothing that's really telling me to change tack just yet, but I'm sure if the point comes, I'll, I'll probably start hearing that voice again. Cool. And as we're talking about ways, how important is it to maintain and find that thing that gives you your balance? Cause I know surfing plays a massive part in your life, right? Yeah. So, um, I've recently moved back to Maruba, which if you don't know the area, it's right near the beach and it's just, um, you know, I, I grew up here, so I when I when I moved away from Maribor, I was away for sort of five years or so, six years, and um, I didn't realize how much I missed it. But being back now, I'm just I'm like a what we call a grom, like I'm really I'm like a teenager again. Um, you know, surfing literally whenever there's a swell, I'm on the forecast. Anyway, for me, it's an absolute meditation being in the water. Yeah, um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be when there's waves. Like I'll, I'll go to the beach and go for a swim just to. Just to yeah, recenter myself, um, and you know, sometimes in the stressful days, it's good just to duck down to the beach. And so for me, being in nature is just an absolute um, necessity to maintain uh, my level of resilience, uh, my motivation, inspiration. Um, I get I get really great ideas when I'm in the surf. So um, yeah, it's all it's all you know, been just a package in, in all of that. Yeah, I was just about to say, is that one of the most exciting things about being an entrepreneur is having the ability to do that? But then you sort of just exe like exemplified that that was maybe the fundamental. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know, being able to dictate your own time is is the most amazing thing about being an entrepreneur um, and, and being self-employed is, you know, being able to say when, when you work. Thing is doesn't ever turn off. So let's not get too romantic about it. There are some real stresses and challenges about running your own business, especially when you've got students and, you know, workshops in the evenings. It's, you know, I'm always on, I'm always um, checking my messages because I just, at this point with, you know, a small team, we have to do that. Um, but, you know, it, it's your own. So there's a different level of motivation when, when you're, um, when you're doing that, when you're putting that level of effort into something that's your own. Um, so, yeah. And it helps be passionate about what you're working on then at that point, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. You'd want it to be the right product or service. If it's something you get bored of in two, three years, really question whether you're going to start that business. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Bombisha was a bit like that. Like, I like mate, but there's only so much mate you can drink. <laughs> and then after a while, it's like, well, it's just mate, you know. Um, whereas at least with what I'm doing now, I get to see all different types of human beings go through a growth experience. And, you yeah. know, to see, it's really fulfilling to see people who didn't believe in themselves get to the final preso and absolutely knock it out of the park. Yeah. Yeah. Last week we had some presentations and the students just did so well. And it's just like, Oh, okay. I really get why I'm doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Super rewarding. Those little, mm. little moments that check in. Yeah. yeah. Incredible. So on this journey, um, being, I was going to say an entrepreneur, but I guess just yourself. Cause I think that's probably one of the most potent messages is to really be yourself. Um, in the, in this, in this conversation that we've had, is there been a book that's like kind of stood out to you, like a, like something you've read or maybe a mm. film that you've watched that's kind of been like, that's kind of the one thing that mm. you recommend, I guess, to your kid on their journey of being themselves? Oh, that's a really tough question. Um, 
there's a book that comes to mind for people transitioning from corporate to to their own thing. Um, it was actually a book I read that um, was probably one of the final straws that broke the camel's back and made me go, okay, time's now. And it was called Reinventing Organizations by um, Frederick Lillo. Um, just a really um, interesting take on how humans uh, create organizational structures, which sounds really um, benign, but it's it, the way he takes it and and sort of the vision of you know the types of organizations that are emerging just really inspired me to, to and I mean I guess it reflected how much feeling and um, absence of what I was looking for was in this corporate environment. So that's that sort of gave me the, the final thing that, okay, I need to get out of here. Um, so, yeah, that that was definitely um, a book that, you know, strongly inspired me. Um, there's a lot of different movies and sort of um, mentors and, and sort of people that along the way that at all different points in time have just been, been super useful. So what's um, – do you think more and more people are feeling like yourself and myself? Like, or is it just, I'm just connected to you and we feel the same way because we're two peas in the, in the same pod? Um, I think it's, it's, I mean, it's really hard to know when you're in an echo chamber, right? Um, yeah, I, I think it feels to me that there is more of an awareness because of the, the prolific, proliferation of information around being self-employed and all these different options, opportunities and avenues there are to do that. It's much easier to start a business now than it was um, years ago where you can do it on a shoestring budget, really. If it's a digital business with a digital product, you're, you're sort of, um, you know, there's, the only thing stopping you is yourself yeah. um, and probably, you know, the right product market fit and that's all stuff that you work out as part of the, the experience. But, um, yeah, so I feel like there's a lot more opportunities and avenues for people to do what we're doing um, and, you know, a lot more support for, for, for people doing it. And it, it's trendy as well. It's, let's be honest, there's, there's a lot of, um, you know, people want to be a startup founder and, you know, they, they're quite romantic about that ideal. Um, it's a fucking lot of work though and you really, <laughs> you really need to be honest with yourself if whether, whether you're ready for that. Yeah, it's like entrepreneurship is the new rock stars. <laughs> I want to be a rock star. I want to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's something that you touched on in there, which has been um, something that I've been grappling with at the moment. And I was like, I've just to give you an idea, it's been five months on this journey of having left my job. And I was just reflecting on this the other day. I think I went Facebook Live with it as well, was the idea of opportunity. Um, because I remember when I was leaving my job, I was like, this is like, an unbelievable opportunity that I'm leaving similar to the situation you were in, you know, you've got a great role, great title doing, you know, great people that you work with. And, um, but there's that lack of fulfillment, right. On some level. And I remember this clearly that I was like, I'm not sure if I'm walking away from perhaps the best opportunity that I've ever mm. had. And we reflected on this in the conversation, the universe catches you. Mm. Um, but I guess what I'm hoping, what I'm looking to share in this is that the idea that now I'm, I'm looking back and I'm kind of like overwhelmed with like touch wood. I hope it remains this way, but like the amount of opportunity mm. it's like once you step out of like, you know, they've done a real good, job with the education process you invest all your money into getting your education and you streamline you build a groove into the, the career and the trajectory that you're going to take mm. for me it was engineering and then it's like that's my opportunity you know what an opportunity to mm. be and all of a sudden like you don't know that there's you feel like you know with the consistent paycheck there's nothing outside of that mm. but as soon as i stepped out it took me maybe like i said five months now and i'm just like and i'm working on all these myriad of things at the moment and it's like this is kind of insane. Like I could be doing one of, you know, 15 different things mm, right now. Right. And it's like the, the opportunity is like, and I just had that click moment the other day where it was like, ah, oh, when I was leaving, I thought there wasn't going to be any opportunity. Mm, and mm. now it's like, wait, 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 slow down. <laughs> yeah. Now the talent is actually trying to figure out which opportunity is worth pursuing. Yeah, hundred percent. And you know, what that comes back to is nature is abundant by default. It's not scarcity by default, you know. And so whenever you feel like the mindset is, is saying, well, I have to hold on to this because this is all that's available and if I lose hold of this life raft, I'm going to sink. Um, it's actually the, it's not the, it's not the way, at least I've found and obviously you've found that nature works. Um, 
nature will reform around you no matter where you go. And it may, you may make a wrong decision along the way. You may have a failure, but it, but it will naturally reform around your new circumstances to provide you the next choice or the next opportunity. And so, um, yeah, I think it's a mindset thing and, and just being brave enough to do it the first time. Because once you do it the first time, then the next time you're like, well, it worked once, why not again, right? <laughs> you just give it a crack again. And that's why this podcast is great, man, because you give people an opportunity to hear other stories where, you know, people have gone through that stress and that anxiety to, to do something that's um, been scary. Yeah, I was, uh, reflect- I was listening to one of my favourite teachers, Sadhguru, uh, recently, and he was like, stories are incredible. And uh, I, I love the storytelling, but... um. I was listening to, he was like, nowhere do you get to wage a war, win a battle, lose a battle without ever accumulating a scratch mm-hmm. unless it's in storytelling, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, cause if you put yourself in the story, you get to, you get to see everything that happened mm-hmm. um, without actually having to go there, you know, and like mm-hmm. you stay unharmed, but then you've got all the insight from it. And yeah, for me, it's super romantic. I love the way the indigenous have continually just through story, you know, like mm. through so much wisdom through the ages has been more oral than written. Whereas mm. now we're in like a written age where it's like, everything's going to be written down. Mm. Everything used to be storytelling. So mm. uh, I love it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's such a great medium for inspiring and for transferring information um, mm. in a way that can be engaging because that's the challenge, right? If, if you're communicating something in a very, um, unstory like way it doesn't really stick with people and that's again comes back to textbooks and lectures and those sorts of things tell a story and they're the greatest teachers right so. and it's like i love the idea of sorry mini tangent but just <laughs> the idea like how a story at a different time in a different place for the same person can mean something different yeah. and the same story for like six different people they can take six different things away from it because they're focused on different aspects of the story you know mm. so there's certain things that even having this conversation with you i'm taking away from you mm. but then someone else will listen to the podcast and they'll get in touch with me and they'll be like oh this happened and i was like ah, i didn't look at it that way you know but yeah. that was really insightful and so yeah, yeah just the the aspects of story uh, yeah for Phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. Um, can I ask you uh, if we were to put a billboard up in Times Square, New York, with mm. a message that Chris Ventura can put in all that energy of Times Square, New York, right? It's not the ocean. <laughs> um, what is uh, what are we going to write on that billboard as your message to the masses? Jump. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. nice. <laughs> and maybe, maybe in, in a small script, you'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> not, not able to read that script. <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Super direct, super potent, much like yourself. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, brother. So my last question, and by no means my least question, mm. um, is it's actually my favorite one, is... Uh, beyond the skin suit, beyond the startup, beyond the entrepreneur, beyond the partner. Um, yeah. Beyond surfing, beyond everything. Um, mm. Who are you? You know, I guess it's one of those philosophical questions and the best way I can put it. And something that I always come back to when I get asked sort of spiritual questions or um inquiries into that space and it's about i'm i am a song i am a particular type of song um and we all have one we all got a very unique sound that we're communicating um on this planet and i you know music is a really interesting medium for um feeling and expression and it's we're in a very feeling based experience as human beings we feel everything every day when we read out of emotions and um i've got a particular song that i'm singing and other people are going to feel and they get some are going to resonate with it and some won't um and you know that song may inspire other people to then sing their song and, and onwards and i've heard many many great songs so yeah that's that's who I am. And I don't know what the name of that song is, <laughs> but um, it's, it's everything that I am and everything that I'm not. <laughs> I absolutely love that. Wow. Thank you so much. That resonates. <laughs> I, I like your song. Your song's inspiring me. Let's put it that way. I, um, yeah, that's, that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
thank you. Yeah. And yeah, on that note, brother, thank you so much. Um, thank you for your time here today, obviously mm. taking, you know, solid hour out of your day. I know, you know, there's a lot happening with you at the moment. Um, especially like, as you mentioned, you know, like a lot of people have just graduated out of, out of their program and you're enrolling a whole bunch of new people into the program. So there's mm. a lot of work, but you made the time to be here today. So thank mm, you. Pleasure. That. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. No, such a treat. And also just the, the amount of work that, you know, you've like, you know, this journey has been, you know, lifelong, but also the last seven years and trusting yourself and finding your way and, you know, all that work that you've done on yourself, major gratitude for that. And, you know, also really grateful for all the work that you're looking to contribute through social change and education and yeah, just the good vibes and may that song continue to sing mm. strong and pure and blessed. Mm. So thank you so much. Thanks, Emma. And you too, man. <laughs> And uh, so for those looking to get in touch with you, brother, how's the, the easiest way to find Harness Projects? Yeah, we've got a website. Um, just check us out at harnessprojects.com.au. Mm -hmm. um, on that, you'll um, basically see what projects we have available if you're interested in getting into UX design. Mm -hmm. um, but otherwise, you can just hit me up on LinkedIn, um, Chris Ventura. Um, yeah, happy to connect. <laughs> they're working on a really awesome project at the moment with a smiling mind meditation app as well so it's like yeah we can, that's my own personal like passion <laughs> i can't wait for that project that's, <laughs> that's gonna be a great one awesome thanks so much for your time today brother pleasure all the best man hey tribe thanks for tuning in to another fun enlightening episode of the inspired evolution I've been loving all the feedback and personal stories of love, uh, health, and growth. Your feedback and stories are incredibly welcome. The easiest way to connect with me is via my website, which is www.amrit-sandu.com. You can leave me a message or a comment. It's one of my highest values to connect, so I love to connect and love to hear from you. You can also find me on Facebook, Amrit Sandu. And if the content has been resonating with you, you can help the Inspired Evolution out in a big way by liking the YouTube channel, subscribing to the Inspired Evolution, or the Facebook page, like that please, at the Inspired Evolution, or by leaving a review on iTunes if you're on an Apple device. And also, if the Inspired Evolution episodes are inspiring an evolution within you, or you can feel the inspiration is valuable for your team to evolve to the next level, you can head on over to www.amrit-sandu.com to see how the Inspired Evolution can help you and your team thrive. Much love, tribe. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.